Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Jake Botel Sports Experience. My name is Jake and I'm joined on a sunny back veranda uh, that's covered beautifully with some grape grape vines uh, on a, what, what are we, Thursday morning, Wednesday morning, Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. When, yeah. <laughs> Wednesday afternoon, I'm joined by the one and only Minnesota Jack. How are you, Jacko? I'm doing great. Decided, we, we were chatting earlier, as we always find time to do, and it's like I always say to you, we should be podcasting, yeah, we yeah. should be podcasting, we're having excellent chats, and then we watched a bit of stuff on TV, and then I was like, we were about to launch into another discussion, and I was mm. like, we really should do a yeah, podcast. Yeah. We'll take half an hour here and do a pod. And by half an hour, you mean 45, <laughs> 45 50 minutes. minutes. That's right. Uh, four hours. The pod, like the chat I wanted to have to record, because we sort of spoke about this a bit this morning, so we've had some time to like percolate on some, some thoughts about it, is greatness. Yeah. And this came up because... We were talking about uh, you brought up the, uh, the the Mahomes versus Brady thing and how mm. that's like this chat that's going around. Like it wasn't just enough that we had Burrow versus Mahomes, who's the greatest currently. Now it's like, well, Mahomes is in his third Super Bowl and he's done things you know that no one has ever done, and he's on pace to beat on Brady. Pa- like, do we do we unfairly judge him just because he happens mm. to be younger than Brady? Like that that's it all kind of comes in the same conversation. That's right. And so, but it brought up interesting angles in our chat about like, well, what, how do you define it? Like, what are we talking about? Like, who's the greatest of all time at their position or in the sport? Like, that opens up a whole thing. Mm. Okay, so Brady, greatest of all time, but he's not the greatest left tackle of all time. Do you know what no. I mean? He's not the greatest running back. So is he the greatest football player of all time? Um, and... So wanted to just spend half an hour here chatting about like I guess trying to that conversation about the the debate of greatness and then like how we define it sort mm. of thing like how do we define greatness and I wanted to start off here by looking at the dictionary definitions of the words we're dealing with so first off let's have a look at great So the word great, it's of ability, quality, or eminence considerably above average. Uh, As a noun, it's an important or distinguished person, a great person. Uh, Eminence, for those who don't know, a noun, fame or acknowledged superiority within a particular sphere. That seems applicable Mm. to our conversation. And then you go from great to greatness, the quality of being great, eminence or distinction. So again, um, acknowledge superiority within a particular sphere or distinction. Again, you are being viewed as distinct from others. So, of ability, quality or eminence, considered considerably above average, the quality of being great, eminence or distinct, distinguished, an important or distinguished person. Like, even from that, to me, it's kind of tricky to start working out like how how I define greatness. But let's start with the Mahomes and Brady comparison. People are arguing about it because record-wise, like Mahomes is six Super Bowls, six rings away. Yes. From being on that level. But does that to you mean... He can't be... Say if he wins three or four. Say if he wins two. Could he still be a greater player than Tom Brady? For you. Like, yeah. for your definition. We're not talking objectively, guys. We're talking about subjectively and hopefully it'll invite you to have your own thoughts on the on the topic. But what about for you? Is there an argument right now? I think there's an argument. Yeah. It, it is so complicated to sort of to work through because so much of it, so much of the difficulty I think is because of there's this balance of subjectivity and objectivity. There's, mm. there's numbers and stats and wins and all this. 
and then there's just the subjective like eye test of yeah this guy's just so great um but it it makes me think like okay you know he's got these seven rings brady and that's often why he's the goat because he's he's won way more super bowls than anybody else um and he's done he's just he's won so um so consistently and quite often when you look at like the comebacks he's been involved in like he's just taking his team to another level so but if we look specifically at the rings which i think is the main reason why people have him there you know you bring up the hypothetical of you know what if Mahomes wins another one what if he wins a few more just for the exercise and we go okay let's say Mahomes by the end of his career has four rings mm. he wins another three he wins you know in a couple of weeks and then over the course of his career, he wins another couple and he has four. Still less than Brady. And let's assume with ups and downs like every every quarterback, every athlete, every player, like there's going to be ups and downs. But for the most part, he kind of stays on this level. It would be weird for me to say that Brady would still be better than Mahomes. Because I feel like if Mahomes continues on this trajectory and doesn't have some massive drop-off, he's far better than Tom Brady. And to me, he is the greatest of all time. Because they, I, I guess we can go deeper into what what we feel like is more important, the mm. subject, the more subjective qualities and the more objective qualities. But to me, it feels like that battle is personified here. Mm. Where a lot of people say, like, you know, Brady, yeah, he's not the most athletic... He's not necessarily the most crazy talented. Um, it's all in his mind, and it's and it's all in the way he's able to process things. But even that, right, just quickly on that, quick aside. Mahomes reads and processes things quicker than anyone I've ever seen, or at least as quick as your greats like Brady and Rogers and these guys, because it's tough to kind of, you're kind of pulling, pulling at straws a bit. But um, I feel like, and in that game against the 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 Bengals, there was that great touchdown to the the front of the end zone, mm. where in while he's scrambling, in a matter of like half a second, he's and this is all while he's under pressure. He has read the defense, knows what the defense is showing. He knows that this guy. I forget who even caught the touchdown because it probably was their... Was it Valdez Scantling? Might have been. Yeah. They're probably up to their like 20th string yeah. ride receiver at that point. Um, knows he's about to get open, but he's not open yet. Mm. But knows he's about to get open correctly. I don't know if guess even seems like the right word. Predicts and gets rid of the ball. Mm. Like that's the key part as well is that a lot of guys can read defenses, but not a lot of them can get it out in time before they're sacked or before another defensive player gets Mm. in. So just quickly wanted to mention that as well, that we talk about Brady and how how he's able to process things. I'm like, I think Mahomes, Mm. that quality of him is underrated. So there's that. But I feel like there's all the other stuff that Mahomes has that's the more subjective stuff. Mm. The more like the crazy throws, the the crazy plays, as as we like to call it, the the fuck-off throws. Like, all that stuff that Brady... Not that he didn't have those moments, but that wasn't him. So, I guess, yeah, we can kind of go into that a bit more of the more subjective, more objective. But I feel like Mahomes and Brady are the perfect examples of both arguments. Well, they're the perfect examples, example of both arguments, and not just in football, but in everything. Because what you're doing really is looking at two contrasting approaches, in a mm. way. Like, it's like arguing about the greatest teams of all time. For me, Arsenal, the undefeated Arsenal team of 03-04 is the greatest team of all time because for me, they played football how it should be played at a level of dominance that no one had played it. Mm. Now, other people will argue, and you know, they're within their right to do so, that the Manchester United teams that won far more silverware mm. than that Arsenal team ever did is the greatest team of all time. But I didn't like the way that they played football, mm. right? So this is where you get into the, like the, the... This is why I don't think you can ever make greatness only about 
records and statistics. It's such a, it's one cut of it. And I agree. And it's why I don't think you should be in, (laughs) as a general statement, I don't think you should be in the hall of fame if you never won a Super Bowl, Mm. especially as a quarterback, especially as a quarterback. Um, but so so Mahomes and and Brady and to an extent Mahomes and Burrow in the mm. current league yep. represent the, this battle of ideologies of what is great. Brady's great traits are his efficiency, mm. his ruthless competitive you know competitive nature, his ruthless efficiency, the machine like quality of how he can and I'm not just talking about on the field, but off the field, how he is like, I am driven to be the greatest quarterback, yeah. so the body needs fuel. Mm-hmm. Ducka, 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 kind of thing. You know, like it's like almost devoid of personality and, and flair in a way. It's just, it's all football all the time. And I'm not saying that Mahomes isn't, but Mahomes finds a way to do the, do football with personality. Which has always been important to me. I've always mm. said to you, the most important line in the Geelong Footy Club song is, we play the game as it should be played. And that's why I never liked the years where Geelong tried to play defensive football. Kick to kick, mm. possess the ball, slowly try and work your way through the, the defence. That's not playing the game as it should be played, in my estimation of how the game should be played. Um, so that's, there's a philosophical part of this argument mm. for me. Um, so what's interesting to me to think about at the moment with, with Mahomes is that you look at Brady, something that Brady has going for him is the longevity of his career and not because of, hey, he played for a really long time, so that's an accomplishment. What I mean is the longevity of his career has allowed him to go through multiple peaks and troughs mm. and uh, career eras. You could almost divide Brady's career in three and it'd be a Hall of Fame career yeah. in every third, but it's often been done differently. Like at the start of his career, I wouldn't have said he's anywhere near the quarterback he was in the middle third of his career. Mm. They really leaned so heavily on the defense in those early Super Bowl championships. Now, Brady came through clutch in some big moments and stuff, but it was that middle stretch of dominance. Sometimes it was those stretches where they weren't winning Super Bowls, mm. where Brady was actually at, at put up some of his statistically best seasons. And, sorry, the, the thought is meandering here, but I do, I do know where I'm getting to. Um, so what it means is we've seen Brady... In a defense-reliant team, we've seen Brady on offense-first team. We've seen Brady surrounded by no weapons. We've seen Brady surrounded by all the (laughs) weapons. And we've actually seen him succeed and fail in all of those places. You know, 2019, his final year in Foxborough, didn't have a lot of great weapons around him. I don't think... Gronk was playing that year. I think Gronk had retired in, in 2019 from memory. You know, uh, and the defense was kind of like it got them to the playoffs, but ultimately they couldn't succeed. Then 2020, he goes off to Tampa and goes off on the field because suddenly he's surrounded by great offensive line, great defense, great players. But then there's been other times in his career where it's like, well, he's had Gronk and that's it. Do you know what I mean? And and what's nice about this, we're entering this next phase of Mahomes' career, he doesn't have Tyreek Hill. And everyone was always like, well, you've got Tyreek Hill. He's had less. He's cooked with less. So I think, for me anyway, it's going to be interesting to see Mahomes' career as it goes on and we get to see him in all these different iterations. I personally feel like he's going to have to have a long career to have a really strong argument. Yeah, and as better than Brady, for sure. You know what I mean? And it's not not to say that there weren't great quarterbacks in Mm. Brady's time, because there were. Definitely. But you feel like the the league that Mahomes is now in and the league he's going to have to compete in is far more quarterback focused than a lot of what Brady had Mm. to deal with, which is doesn't so much impact his own results, but does impact the kind of competition 
around him. Mm. So I feel like Brady, for most of his career, up until, you know, guys like Mahomes sort of came in along with him because he's still playing Tom mm. Brady. But, like, for most of it, there would be, like, a few guys that would be like, oh, they're, they're at least trying to fight for um, Brady for that kind of number one spot. Now it's like, okay, you got Mahomes, Burrow, he's in that convo. Josh Allen's in the convo. At least, I know he didn't have a great end to this playoffs series. Mm. But, like, he's in that conversation with, with guys like Mahomes. Justin Herbert could be someone. Trevor Lawrence could be someone. You know? We, not to put too much pressure on him, but, like, Kenny Pickett. Mm. He looks like he could be something. Lamar Jackson, if he stays in the AFC, could be something. Mm. Like, I feel like that might make it tougher for Mahomes to build a case. Not because it's going to impact his own results, because quarterbacks don't play against each other. But as we, as a football community start to have this discussion about Mahomes and Brady, there might be a situation where it's like, yeah, Mahomes or Brady, that's a conversation. Mm. But Burrow Brady, that's a conversation. Alan Brady, that's a conversation. Whereas before, when Brady was playing in his kind of like the, the peak of his career, him and Manning, was that, that probably would have been it in terms of guys that would have been right up there like, you've got, you know, great quarterbacks from days gone by, um, but in terms of the quarterbacks he was playing against at the time, I don't think there would have been the same kind of competition he was working with. It'd be interesting to hear. I'd, I'd love for people to reach out and, and, like, contribute to the conversation here because, like, full transparency, you know, like, although I'm, <clears throat> you know, really into sports history and have gone back and read books and watched some old games, like, ultimately, I started watching NFL obsessively in 2017 mm. so like Peyton Manning was gone yeah uh, you know Ben Roethlisberger was at the end of his career and you know Roethlisberger put up I think four or four of the NFL's 24 games of 500 or more passing yards mm. you know so like there were definitely other good quarterbacks but other people could probably talk to it more than me about well, well what was the conversation in that era of mm. Brady's career like was there ever really a debate as to whether Brady was the the best in, mm. in any given year like I'm sure Rogers once he really peaked there would have been a phase yeah of time um yeah I'd love for people to to sort of contribute it it feels to me like Mahomes is making the best modern day case particularly if he wins if that I think that is a big point here. If he wins, then all of a sudden you've got multiple rings, right? All of a sudden the pool of quarterbacks that you can be compared to shrinks. Yeah. Because right? you've got, you got multiple Drastically. rings. Whereas if you lose, you, your, your case starts to get a little vulnerable because it's like, okay, you know, you've got your, you've got, you've still got, only got your one ring and you've lost in the Super Bowl twice. Yeah. Right? Which is weird that people focus more on the losing as opposed to the getting there. Yeah. But people still do that. Um, and it's like, on to next year. It's, and I don't think you can guarantee that the Chiefs keep making it. No. But again, like, to go back to what we were sort of talking about, it's tough to... Does that even matter when we're talking about greatness? We're not talking about most successful quarterback. We're talking about greatest of all time. And you have to think... Like I said, if he, if he only has four rings by the end of his career, he has no more rings. Let's say he never wins another Super Bowl again, but season after season, putting up 43, 44, 45 touchdowns, he has, and, and 10 of them are fuck-off touchdowns. Yeah. Like, the, the, he's just unleashing. It would feel weird to say, well, Brady's technically better because he's won more Super Bowls. Mm. When, and this is a, another element of the discussion, winning a Super Bowl is a team accomplishment. It is not a quarterback accomplishment. It's just not. I'm not. I'm not a part of the quarterback wins crowd. There's a big crowd that's out there. You're entitled to your opinion, but to me, quarterbacks are just as responsible as any other player. Maybe give them an extra one percent because they're the quarterback. But that's about it. And so, I think that also brings in another 
question to it of if Mahomes has a better statistical career and a better highlights package, but Brady has six more rings, it would feel weird to say Brady's better because he has more rings, even though he's not statistically as good and doesn't have as good of a highlight package. Yeah, and uh, I'd love to move into some other like sports and stuff. And the reality is we can probably do like 10 episodes on this, and maybe we yeah. will. Maybe we can just constantly revisit this conversation. Like Bradshaw comes up for me all the time mm. as a Steelers fan, like four rings, four Super Bowl rings, two of them as MVP, but he's never in the conversation with Montana. Mm. Montana's same. They both made four Super Bowls. They both won four Super Bowls. And you can't even really make the argument of, well, he threw a lot of picks. Every quarterback of his era threw a bunch of picks. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm totally there for the fact that Bradshaw's regular season career, you know, of course it doesn't compete with Montana's. Like, no, it, he no, definitely still... doesn't. But what I, But why I think... Bradshaw stands out as being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time for me and should he's never included in those lists is the fact that he rode the coattails of the defense the first two and I think it was in his final two or it was in the middle two he was the MVP Mm. he was a difference maker with throws he delivered in crucial spots and when you look at when you chart it on a spreadsheet which I have (laughs) all the NFL quarterbacks who have won a Super Bowl or multiple Super Bowls, um, it's great when you look at it. Here's their stats, regular season. Here's their stats, playoffs. Mm. Here's their stats, Super Bowl. Bradshaw literally statistically gets better every level you step him up. Mm. So, you know, his, his touchdown to interception ratio gets better from regular season to playoffs and from regular season to Super Bowl. His yards per attempt go up every level you step up. He was a massive player when the massive games were there to be won. It's why I think Julian Edelman does have a case to be in the Hall of Fame mm. because he was massive in massive spots. I'm not saying it's the be-all and end-all. Well, this we can transition to another sport J- here. Just because, before we yeah, do. Yeah, sorry, just ahead. before no, we do. Like, so Mahomes, for me... It's, it's tough because you do you have to factor in their success. As in... Yeah, their, their that's the aim of the game. That's right. But, but you know, there is something in me too that, that thinks, well, there is, an amount of, there is an amount of luck involved in getting to any championship. There's injury... You know, I think about the, the, the 49ers... The 49ers legitimately the last four or five years mm. have had the opportunity to sort of establish themselves as a little dynasty. Yeah. If you think about it, they mm. went to a Super Bowl and lost on a, on a Jimmy G overthrow <laughs> on the yeah. thing. They, you know, have had injuries stack up at different times that have, like, I mean, the most obvious case being this one. Mm. Like, they... Back-to-back NFC conference championship they appearances. Were right there. Right there at having the opportunity to have gone to, say, three Super Bowls in five years. Yeah. And as it is, they went to one and they've lost it. Like, whole legends can shift on one or two plays. You can be great. Can you be great without ever having won a championship? Yes. 100%, because Dan Marino was great. Yeah. However, we're not talking about just being great we're talking about being the greatest mm. you have to start looking at the margins and start going what are the little things that can get you over the top because where's we're now going from where we're elevating if you think about our definitions again you know um you know an ability or you know or quality or whatever is uh, you know significantly above average mm. well Mahomes and Brady are both that yeah do you know what I mean Rogers mm. I think is above that you know so now we're going how are you great within a great field mm. do you know what I mean yeah. so that's that's where I think these arguments get interesting because that is where Brady's playoff success I think does help him elevate away because mm. now you're not just comparing Tom Brady's career to Derek Carr's career 
Well, you know, Tom Brady's obviously great compared to Derek Carr. Well, yeah, obviously. But is Tom Brady great compared to other great players? Well, yeah. Because once you start looking at those measures of success, he separates. So are you going to transition us? I, I, I do, but that's made me think of one more okay, thing. Okay, go, like go, go. Well, <laughs> just sort of bringing it back with the team aspect. If this was tennis, there's almost yeah. like no... No argument. Not much nuance because it's just 1v1. Mm. But in the NFL, it's tough because, yes, playoff success is great. It should matter. But how much should it matter when, you're, when literally 50% or, you know, roughly... 50% of the time, you're not on the field. Mm. Like, it, it, it's just, it's interesting and difficult, perhaps even impossible, to put a number on how much a win is on a quarterback. And that counts in the playoffs. You've Tom Brady's won so many playoff games, it's unbelievable. He's won so many Super Bowls, it's unbelievable. But if you were to go back... And watch every playoff game, which would take you forever, because mm. he's been in so many. But theoretically, if you were to do that, and you were to give your even your own subjective ranking mm. of each playoff performance and average it out, and do the same for Mahomes and what he's done in his playoff career so mm. far, like if you were to, I feel like some way that maybe is a little more fair is to work with averages and go with the seasons Mahomes has had to work with so far mm. and the seasons Tom Brady has had to work with so far, and if we're just talking playoffs for this scenario, I feel like that could maybe get you a closer answer is by not necessarily looking at wins solely, because that means something, but then looking at their performances in each game and averaging it out and going, okay, who played better in each, mm. in their playoff career? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it, I, it, it feels weird to say to Mahomes, sorry, you've absolutely balled out in every single playoff game you've ever played. Like, mm. you think back to every playoff game. He's been amazing. I think he holds the record when you average out. He is the best quarterback statistically mm. in the playoffs. And he's made it to five... Five... AFC Championship games? They've, they've hosted They've five, hosted five. Five in a row. Five in a row. Three Super Bowl appearances. Might have two rings. And how old is he? 27 or something? Something like that. Yeah. It's just interesting when you put it that way. It, yeah, it definitely is. And one thing I think, too, and we, we talk a lot about like NFL, like, you know, how valuable is the quarterback? You know, it's a team game. It is a team game, but then what I would say to that is if it's a, if it is a team game, then would you have felt confident with the Chiefs winning 16 games this season if Chad Henney had been the starter of the whole season? The quarterback yeah. position makes a disproportionately huge difference to a team. Unlike if you lose you know, say a wide receiver, but if you lose Tyreek Hill, do you know what I mean? Like, I I think uh, there's a great, um, Dave Damashek, excellent podcaster, who everyone should, you know, (laughs) you probably already know about him. Um, But just, he has this Jenga piece theory. Every team has a Jenga piece. Mm. Now the Steelers, it was TJ Watt. Yeah. Right? So it's not always the quarterback, but when you have a great quarterback, it makes such a difference mm. to what your team does. Because, like, we, you can see the difference between a guy who can play that position and the difference it makes between Josh Johnson stepping in. Mm. Like, I think you can see the difference it makes when you go from, you know, Chad Henney <laughs> to... Now, you can get away with it for a drive or two. Definitely. The Eagles got away for, for with it you know, for a month with mm. bowls. The 49ers did it for almost the whole season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but couldn't get I think over, the over time, you, it would be shown that you have to have a very... At, you have to have an above average quarterback if you're going to be successful for mm. a long time. Yeah. Like, yes, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl... But how many playoff runs did Trent Dilfer and that Ravens team make? Not yeah. many. You know, so I think you have to sort of contextualise it. That 
like the QB position is hugely like a team's success or failure is hugely weighted around do we have our starter is our starter one of those top players and if he is the drop off when he's not there versus when he is there mm. is massive like um but like so so for you like greatness like if we extrapolate out into other sports or if we expand out into other sports i think of debates like Shane Warne versus Mattia Muralitharan mm-hmm. from Sri Lanka. Um, Murali, you know, more wickets. I can't remember if he ended up getting to 1,000 or not. He definitely cleared 800 wickets. Mm-hmm. Warne got to, I think, 700 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I know because I missed seeing his 700th wicket by a day. We went to the second day of the Boxing Day test oh. in 2006 or seven, whenever it was. And, um, yeah, he'd taken it the day before. To me, Shane Warne is the greatest spinner of all time because of the way in which mm. he did it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it was just the opponents he did it against, the spots he did it in, the sheer weight of numbers, you know. His, his hat trick is, like, one of the most iconic moments in Australian cricket history, perhaps cricket history. The hat trick, the, the, the gadding ball which spun from, you know, outside leg to hit off and just made gadding look like an absolute fool. And like he did that so often. Mm. Just made other great players look stupid. I think of debates like Don Bradman versus Sachin Tendulkar and things like that. Well people go, Bradman you know, he averaged 99.94 or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, and he played 29 tests at a time when they were still taking, you know, steamboats overseas. Like, yeah, I'm not saying that he's not the greatest, but even though Sachin Tendulkar might have averaged, you know, 40 runs less per innings, you have to account for the fact that Sachin was, has played his whole career against fellow professionals... Mm. Um, it's and, and over such a long period of time I think Bradman only played I could be wrong I feel like it's 29 tests mm. uh, I'd have to look at that and it's, it's an amazing record but what other things come up for you like what other player well, debates are there well mine was my first thing I thought about when you were talking about like we were talking about playoff success the first thing I thought of was not so much player but team mm-hmm. so you look at a team. Let's take the last, let's just say decade. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and you could you could bring this era much further back. In fact, I would argue that you would argue that it should. But just for the purpose of this sure. argument, 2012 to 2022. I feel like the Geelong Cats were the greatest team of that period in my eyes. I think they've done more in that period than most other teams. But you look at a team like Richmond, who won three premierships, almost four in a row, got knocked out by the Pies in the prelim. But, and a lot of people would put them of like, best team of the last decade. But I don't think they have achieved as much regular, like just home and away season success. But because the Cats haven't won as many premierships, there'll be the, the argument that goes, well, they only won one flag, and that was last year. Before that, it was 2011, mm-hmm. right? Let's even, just for the purpose of this argument, let's bring it back a year and say from 11 to 22. Two flags for the Cats, mm-hmm. but a bunch of home and away success. And you've got a team like Richmond, very patchy home and away success, but perhaps the most dominant four-year period, which included three flags and a prelim loss. And it's amazing how quickly that three-peat Hawthorne team gets forgotten. Yeah. You know, 13, 14, 15. Um, it, that's a great, it's a great conversation because and I think the correct way to argue it is to knock it back to 2011 because mm. that's when... Because I think if you take it from 2012 and Geelong only has the one flag in that time period... Like, if you took it... Yeah, if you take it 2022 to 2012, I don't... I think it's hard to argue 
when you've got one flag mm. versus two other teams that have three. Um, as hard as that is, because it's weird, because I would also say that Geelong is the best team of the 21st century. Yeah. Which is, I know some people would be like, well, if they weren't the best team of you know, a certain decade, well, that, that doesn't matter because we're talking about a bigger bite size. Yeah. We're talking four in you know, 20 years or whatever it is and an unparalleled, sustained level of success of basically never missing finals. Yeah. That's the... Th- so, yeah, if you ask me 2012 to 2022, then, yeah, I would probably... I, I would... I don't know which way I would go, but it, it would be... Richmond weren't relevant in that period until 2017. I know they made finals, mm. I think, the year before, maybe 2015, but they got knocked out in the first round. Richmond mm. were a joke. They were always nine. That was the joke mm. about Richmond. And they weren't relevant until 2017 when, along with Dustin Martin, mm. like they just had a, an unbelievably dominant four-year period. Really should have won... Four in a row. How we think about Richmond's going to ch- probably be informed a lot too by, you know, in terms of stacking them up against the Geelong team since the year to the 21st century mm. by how the next 10 years go. Yeah. Because I think Hawthorne, for me, has lost the ability to say that they are the greatest team of the 21st century because they, they started the 21st century so poorly mm. and then they've finished the last few years so poorly like the thing that Geelong has for it it's won four flags which is as many as anyone else in the AFL era which Mm. is the era as I said to you earlier that's the one I'm interested in there's three teams that have won four flags since the competition became truly national West Coast with four Geelong with four Hawthorne with four Mm. you've got other teams floating around now with three you've got your Richmond's you've got Brisbane etc well this is interesting sure I hadn't thought of it until now. Let's say, you know, Brisbane over this off-season had a massive off-season. They've gotten in Josh Dunkley, Will Ashcroft, their number one pick, father-son. Like, they've, they've just loaded up. They're in win now. Mm. And they have... Since, I think, 2019 or 2018, mm. they've been a really good football team. Like, the, the, the knock on them has been not getting to a grand final. But the knock has not been their home and away records. It'd be interesting to look. Um, but I feel like it was 2019 or 18 where they kind of jumped back into uh, relevance and all of a sudden were like a top four team and mm. making semifinals, making premierships, but haven't gotten over the line. Let's say this year. I don't... I don't... I neither think this or not think this. Yeah. I don't know to think Brisbane at this point. But let's say that all this hype around them proves to be true and they're just like they they just got such a great team all these great players um and they they win the minor premiership or like they're mm-hmm. top four right and then they win the premiership this year in terms of 21st century they'd have won four flags they the dominant like period when they had the back to back to back you know with your the, mm. the Ackermanis the like that that whole crew they're nothing. Pretty much irrelevance for another 10 15 years. years. Yeah, yeah. But then three, four years of really good football and then capped it off with a flag similar, similar, not the same, but similar to the Cats into, in that really dominant period, mm. kind of thereabouts, although for the Cats in their favour, they're at least really good in the regular season. And then cap something off the flag. Brisbane would have four, mm. which would be in that category that you just talked about. I don't think they're close. Yeah. In that argument. Only because they were... And take it from the 1990s, right? Yeah. Through to now. What were Brisbane doing in the 1990s? Struggling to stay alive. <laughs> now, they had an incredible dynasty. Four grand finals in a row. Won three of them. But then, like, fell off a cliff. Right? Yeah. The difference, I would say, for teams with what Geelong has done and, like, is that they, like, where is the bottom out? Mm. They've never finished in their history lower than 12th. 
yeah. the history of the club, that is, like, mm. going back to whenever. Like, Geelong lost three grand finals in the early 1990s. Mm. So it's not like we came from being total rat shit to doing... Like, even if you think about 07, like, we finished ninth, I think it was, in 06. But 05 lost in a semi-final to Sydney... 04, I believe we made a prelim and mm. lost to Port. So, like, you can kind of chart it back to there. Like, we were kind of in that conversation. Like, it, it is 20 years of pretty much being around there. So, I think that's why I would probably even have West Coast. Mm. Uh, Brisbane, oh, if you take the whole 20 years, it's tough. I would have Geelong, I would have Hawthorne, and then I would be thinking about because Hawthorne in fairness to them they won 08 mm. and then went on to yeah <laughs> then went on to they stole <laughs> 08 <laughs> and then won another three like and they were very good but I just think that one for me in, in the years where the tournament has been national if you stack up everything premiership finals regular season mm. I think Geelong's the best team in the history of the national of it being an actually national competition but speaking of bottoming out and connecting it to Richmond <laughs> and also Please. you said about the next 10 years yeah they will be really interesting because yeah 100%. I think they're back this year I, I, I predict them to be around 4 5 6 maybe even jumping higher mm. that's kind of where I I, I think they've, they've done a lot to protect themselves from the inevitable Retirements of their of their aging stars, um, and I think you know they've brought in Taranto and a bunch of these other guys. Like, I still think Damien Hardwick's a really good coach. Um, so that that will be interesting to see if they can do a Geelong, mm. which is a rebuild totally. without bottoming out, because not last year because they made the finals, but it was the year before where oh Richmond, mm. they're no good, yeah, they're no good. And it's like, if that's the worst that Richmond is going to be, if that was their rebuild, I think that's a big key to this sort of broader success that you're talking about of teams that can stay relevant for longer and be successful for longer without kind of falling down the cliff, which would be the thing that would knock Brisbane back, is that despite the fact that, let's say, in this hypothetical, because they're nowhere near the convo right now, but let's say with this great team that they've built, they win a flag this year, Dominant first five years, dominant last five years, mm. three flags, four grand finals, mm. and let's say one flag, one grand final. But a 10, 15 year period in the middle where there were nothing, that probably would knock them back a few pegs mm. in that conversation. Um, West Coast would be another one. It'd be interesting to look back at them because they seem to have been, they might have a similar amount of years to Brisbane of kind of not being great but more patchy I feel like West Coast they're kind of good for a few years and then they drop away then they're really good drop away that 2018 flag was so weird the one yeah. that won against Collingwood was so out of the blue and I um, I think it's funny because then I'm, th- I'm thinking about this and I think you're right I think Richmond have a great chance to go on and win two or three more I really do I really think they, they Tom Lynch can... isn't even 30 yet like yeah. they've they've got guys there, and it's and it's what it is is there's a blueprint here. Mm. There's a blueprint to say you know an hour and a half down the highway in Geelong of like oh we don't have to drop off, mm. we don't have to tank the roster. People are going to want to come and play for the teams that are winning, and in the era of free agency and trade and all that sort of thing, well we can we can continually top up and compete. And I think that if you are smart, that is what you will do. You will. Mm. You will play the advantage that you have. Um, so, I yeah, massively credit Richmond for how they're going about it because I think it's going to be shown to be how you can approach team building, how you should approach team building. I was just going to say about the blueprint, though, and, and how we define greatness. You and I were having this discussion about Roger Federer the other day, mm. the first dude to win more than 14 titles and he gets to 20. And he's already been eclipsed. Yeah. In his own in his own lifetime by two people. Yeah. Both Nadal and Djokovic have gone past, but to me he's the greatest. 
Mm. Because he did it first. He did yeah. like he. It's like I've had this discussion with um, Owen before about the. I think it's the you know the minute mile of or something like that of you know people going. You can't. There's no way you can run a, a mile in a minute or whatever it was, until someone did it, and then it was like that speed record got broken just like. Well, you know, weekly after mm. that, once once someone broke through and realized you could do it, mm. so it's like that. For a long time, people were butting their head up against the fourteen grand slams ceiling, and then once Federer broke it, everyone else was like, "Oh shit, you can push way past that." Mm. And so they have, you know, like Djokovic. Maybe he'll get to thirty. I don't know. So I think in the same way. The cats have broken ground, and they 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 are really the first team, first footy team in my lifetime. Because we've seen a few dynasties. I've seen the Lions. Mm. I've seen the Hawks. We're seeing the Tigers. If you want to call Sydney, you know. Well, they're the one I'm going to mention. They have, they've done not before Geelong, but I feel like they've done a similar thing to Geelong with not bottoming out. Just without the success, they haven't. It hasn't. It hasn't uh, bared that much fruit. But they've done a similar thing mm. in that. I feel like there was a few years ago mm. where Sydney were not great, and all of a sudden they're back in contention. They mm. always seem like it's the Geelongs, it's the Sydneys, and the West Coast yeah. that feel like they've always just kind of been around there. But Sydney have one flag, two, two. In two. That. They they beat um, Hawthorne in twenty twelve. Oh yeah, yeah. But then they've lost two. They're two and two, right? Lost to the dogs. Yeah. Lost Could to even the cats. Be worse. They no. They they are worse. They they are. In in terms of in the twenty first century. Twenty first century. Twenty first century. They have lost one. They won one against West Coast. Yeah. They won one against Hawthorne. They lost one to West Coast. Oh yeah. The back they to back. They lost one to Hawthorne. They lost one to us. And they lost one to the dogs. The dogs. They've lost. So they're two and four. They've made six grand finals. So you think about how different the, do- the dogs and the cats don't have much in common. But the one thing we do have in common is embarrassing the Swans and <laughs> Port Adelaide. To be fair, in the grand final of prelim, I think, I think the cats, like, and the Swans are kind of the pioneers of that. The difference mm. is Geelong were able to turn it into flags yeah. instead of just grand final appearances. You know, I think to be four and. What are we? Four and two, yeah. Four and two from six appearances. They're two and four. You know, if 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 it wasn't for as this wind picks up, I, I keep having to shift this trampoline around to try and block the, the wind. Has opinions. Um, yeah, I think we'd look at Sydney really differently yeah. if they were the ones that were four and two. I, I guess the point being for me is that sometimes the team that breaks the ceiling in retrospect, could get lost. There is a potential. There is definitely a potential where if Richmond goes on now and wins another two or three, say they win six in 15 years or something like that, which I don't know, that would be unprecedented almost stuff. Mm. You know, and they maintain that always in the finals like Geelong have had. Well, then there'll be no choice but to regard them probably as, as having been the best. But... There's something to, for me, the fact that Geelong did it first. Mm. They bucked the trend. It was really, Zach Tui's talked about it. It's gutsy to, to stare the rebuild in the face and be like, no, we're just going to keep topping up. Yeah. We're going to back our system and we're going to back the, the fact that we think if we keep bringing in really good players, even if they're mature age recruits, we just think we're going to win a lot of football games, put ourselves in the position to be there. Because the thing is, there's always a risk, in my opinion, of eroding what you've built. Mm. Say if you're a team that gets up, your Hawthorne, your Richmond, your Geelongs, whatever, you win a few flags in a number of years. And then you go, all right, well, this playing group has kind of come to the end of its lifespan. We're going to clean house and bring in young players. Well, and I know a lot of people don't agree with things like momentum or culture or all that stuff. Well, I do. Yeah. I do think it's a factor because it's not robots out there playing the games. It's humans who are impacted by things. Um, I think you're flushing out that culture that you've established if you do that, if you just get rid of everyone. This is why I was never 
in favour of the group that was like, don't re-sign Beveridge. Get someone in to coach the dogs. It's like, except for that short period with Rodney Ede in the, you know, 8, 9, 10, Mm. where we made... I'd I'd have to go back, but I'm pretty sure it was back-to-back-to-back prelims. Yeah. Losses. But, like, dogs were a really good team in that year, in that sort of, yeah, three, four-year period. But besides that, the dogs have done nothing. Mm. They were the, a laughing stock. They were they were the scraggly Western Melbourne team that had a few good players, but ultimately could never really do it. Right? Luke Beveridge comes in and he's missed finals twice since twenty fifteen. Mm. Won a premiership, made it to another and lost one. What we've done is not a Geelong, but it's the similar idea of going, okay, we've got this group. Okay, we're getting there, but we're not quite there yet. Instead of going, all right, well, let's just try something else, get someone else in with a new game plan. Let's trade this guy, let's trade this guy out, try to get some draft picks. It's been, no, we're going to commit. Beveridge is this guy who's had this game plan, who has gotten us to this position. Let's stay with him. Let's support him, give him some assistant coaches and, and give him support that maybe he didn't have last year. Like, try that. And when it comes to players, instead of getting rid of players that are good for draft picks, mm. we've brought players in. It's been like, you guys don't think Rory Lobb's any good for your team? All right, we'll take him and turn him into a really good forward. Liam Jones, let's bring him in. Let, let's try and... Which sometimes doesn't work. Mm. Look at... Well, I was going to say Barry Hall, but he actually was really good for us. But, like, Travis Cloak. Like, we, we've done this, but it's starting to turn around and, and players are, are buying in... Not to go too dog-heavy, but... Um, Josh Bruce, who has been great forward for us, had this ACL injury and kind of fell out of favour in the forward line and was kind of in and out of spots. I think this really goes to show what our culture is like that he was doing an interview and he said, you know, he had heard rumours that Rory Lobb was coming to the dogs and probably felt that uh, he's maybe not going to be starting in the forward line. If he felt like he wasn't in a supportive environment, mm. he would have been like, oh, shit. Would have gotten really resentful and really like, no, this is my... I, I was the leading goal kicker two years ago. Like, this is my spot. Mm. Instead, he said, hey, guys, here's something to think about over the off-season for when we come back in January. I'd like to put my hand up and go to the back line. Mm. I feel like I've got a lot to show there. This forward line seems to be really young and and really going forward as it is. Our back line needs a bit of help. I'm happy as the veteran to put Mm. my hand up and say, I've spent years in my youth back there. I'd like to do that. The fact that Josh Bruce put his hand up to do that, I feel like is really indicative of where the club is at, which you wouldn't get if you said, nah, sorry, Luke, we're not re-signing a contract. We're going to go for some unproven guy who is proven... He's the best coach in Bulldogs history. I know Teddy Witten, he, he's done so much and he's so much for that club. But when we're talking about greatness, I feel like Bevo is at least right up there with EJ. Yeah, and, and it's like... I don't think building a team and building greatness um, is, is like a project that... When it doesn't go well, you throw it out. You know, we've, we've all been there, whether it's a written project or a craft project or something, you hit a point, you're like, ah, oh, fuck, it's not working, and you bin the whole thing. You know, you delete the whole document. You, you, you tear it up. Mm. And then you go, fuck, I probably should have actually hung on to some of that because some of it was good. You always remember, and I often do, when you walk away from something for a day and you come back and you're like, actually, you know what? I don't like this and this. But, you know, there's a good 65 70% of this that I like. Mm. To me, that is what the tanking rebuild looks like. Yeah. That is tearing up the project. That is being like, fuck it, we didn't win the premiership this year. We only... Chuck it all out. Chuck it all out. It's all shit. And that's what fans kept wanting Geelong to do. It was like, oh, they didn't make the grand final. We just made another prelim. Just made yeah. another pre. You got to chuck it out. You got to chuck the coaches out. Chuck Selwood out. Chuck Dangerfield or whatever it is. Got to we just chuck the project out and start again. We need a clean slate. Getting Isaac Smith. That That's... guy will never do anything. So it's like Geelong didn't chuck the project out. They didn't tear up the piece of paper. 
they didn't delete the document. They took stock and went, you know what? There's actually a large part of this that is still working. We need to keep tweaking and editing and, and revising. And they did tweak. Like, totally. The, the Cats are such a different team, the team that won the premiership last mm. year, to where they were. We were just talking about it. Yeah. About the team that was the kick-to-kick yeah. possession football. Like, they were they, playing they, Hawthorne football, but they lacked... But, you know, in, in those years, they were trying to play Hawthorne's possession style of football, but they lacked Hawthorne's pressure. Because that was something Hawthorne always brought. When they had the ball, they would move it pinpoint accuracy by foot and control the tempo of the game. And when they didn't have it, they applied stupid amounts of tackle pressure. And that was something Geelong, in my opinion, never really brought Mm. until this year. Um, And I think as much as Richmond fans should thank Geelong fans... Sorry, Richmond Richmond fans should thank Geelong for plotting this course of how you can diverge from the path of the total rebuild and keep topping up. I think Geelong fans should be very thankful that Richmond exposed Geelong on a number of big stages with that pressure because I think that Geelong added a dose of that this year of like, we have to, when we don't have the ball, it's fine to want to control the game, but when you don't have the ball, you got to have a way to win it back. And they found that with those smaller players, with you know your closers, you you know your um, Grind Myers, etc. Tom Atkins, yeah. Brandon Parfit, the pressure game lifted. We're, we've almost done an hour. I can't believe it. Well, I can. Yeah. Um, just to hook us back around on the greatness thing. I think that's been the biggest takeaway from me from this chat. And look, I could chat for hours and hours with you, but I kind of want to. I actually kind of want to end it in an hour, and have more time to think about this mm. and, and revisit it again. Like let's let's go into the into the laboratory of our mind and and bring back some ideas to this, like greatness. So it's it's a quality, you know, it's an ability, you know, or a quality above what is average. That's that and to me, for granted, that's a pretty low bar. Yeah, if you think about it, to be mm. considered great. So what we're talking about? So they're all great teams, really. Yeah. All the ones that win a premiership or a championship within the context of the season they played in, they were the great team because mm. they were so far above and so far superior. So now you, you, but we are now taking the conversation to this different strata, which is okay. Everyone's great. Mm. You're comparing premiership team versus premiership team, championship team versus championship team, MVP v MVP. How do you start to define that? And is there even a way to do it? Uh, Like I personally don't think there's a way to do it objectively. No, I think there's always going to be subjectivity to do with it because there's a lot of different ways in which you can be great. And maybe that'd be a fun episode to to talk about players and athletes and teams that we define as being great Mm. and the criteria by which we we reach that conclusion. Which would indicate exactly what you're saying, how many different ways you can be great. Because I'm sure we could bring up 10 different players who are all great for entirely different reasons. Well, it's like the Arsenal team of 0304. They are great to me. They are one of the greatest teams I've ever watched. Um, do they stack up against the Manchester United dynasty, the Man City, the Chelsea's? Do they, you know, you can look at that and go, what does that mean to be the greatest team for one year or, or a stretch of two years or something? Like, how can you be compared against the others? You know, did you reach, is there a level of greatness you ascended to that, no one else did, even if they've ascended to a, a slightly lower level of greatness more often. Mm. And that's an interesting thing to think about with, with Brady. He has been great for a long time. And, and the question will be at the end of their respective careers, because Brady's still fucking playing, <laughs> is does Mahomes end up finding a level of greatness to ascend to? Even if he doesn't win as many Lombardies, is there just a level he reaches when you watch him play that you're like, fucking hell, he's redefined. Mm. That although Brady reached a lower level of greatness more consistently, he never achieved that. Might not happen. I don't know. Right now, I think people have... You need to go and revisit Brady's best seasons. Yeah. 
2017 is a good one to look at because that was not a very good Patriots team and he almost dragged them to a Super Bowl championship. Like, he yeah. threw for, what was it, like four or 500 yards in, in the final against Foles mm. and they still lost. Like, uh, you, don't want to be, you don't want to dismiss Mahomes from the point of view of, mod, you know, modernity not mattering as much and, and, you know, today's NFL. But you also don't want to be a prisoner of the moment either and think that Mahomes has categorically already reached greater individual heights. <laughs> than mm. what Brady you, 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 I think we all have to go back and look at the the whole picture because man Brady had some seasons where he didn't play on great Patriots teams and 2017 was one of them and they came within a fucking bee's dick of winning a, 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 a championship that year so oh man always good to chat yeah, <laughs> I don't feel sure. like we maybe we got closer maybe we didn't um, but it's just fun fun to chat about this it, stuff it, the, the topic became both clearer <laughs> and more vague. Yeah, definitely. The things that became, the things that could become clear became clearer, but the things that become that were vague have become more vague. Yeah. That's... <laughs> All right. Uh, hopefully, you guys have enjoyed. Um, and yeah, until next time, look after yourselves and watch some sport. <laughs> Catch you later. <laughs>